Investing in your business can be a wonderful way to grow wealth and live the life you want. That's what I'm doing. But investing in someone else's business can be even better. In my opinion, this is the best way to generate true passive income streams. Through ETFs or exchange-traded funds, you can buy a basket of shares in different companies in one trade. BetaShares offers Australia's broadest range of ETFs, including the Global Cashflow Kings ETF, ticker symbol CFLO, which lets you invest in 200 companies with high levels of free cash flow, such as Visa and Costco, in one ETF. You can learn more about CFLO and the BetaShares fund range by visiting betashares.com.au. Read the PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Welcome to RASC's Australian Business Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who dare to leave the world in a better place and get paid while we do it. This podcast will make you a better business owner, investor, founder, or entrepreneur. If you want to start a business or already have one, please subscribe to the series or share it with your friends, business partner, or colleagues. And don't forget to consider taking our free business course, which includes heaps of templates for creating business plans, HR documents, employee files, all of my software recommendations, and more. The course is completely free and available via the link in your podcast player. Okay, let's get into the episode. Welcome to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. We're recording live at the Australian Shareholders Association 2023 Investor Conference. So if you hear some background noise, that's what it is. But I'm joined by the most fantastic of guests. Uh, I've got Monique Pizzica, aka Mini Pizza. How are you going? I'm great. How are you? Very well, thank you. And I've got Mal Vincent. How are you going? I'm very well, thank you. So How are you? I'm very good, thanks. So, for listeners who don't know, uh, Mal and Monique are actually uh, part of the team here at Rask. Monique uh, is in charge of all of our podcasts and everything that we do there. And Mal is our new, brand new marketing manager and head of events. So uh, welcome to the team. Thank you so much. It's been, what, five weeks now and it's been amazing so far. Wonderful. Uh, so we're here just talking about side hustles. And what appeared to me uh, a few weeks ago is that the two of you and Kate, who's working on something that we can't talk about, um, it's top secret. Scandal. Scandalous. Uh, it's all good things. Everyone in the team at Rask has a side hustle except myself um so i figured it would be actually a good topic to talk to you two about how you go about it what you do on the side as well as working at rask Mm -hmm. and just generally how you think about things because we had queenie tan investment queenie uh on our i think we're on youtube we had her on the podcast not too long ago and she talked about this study in the u.s that showed there's seven sources of income that you can get Mm -hmm. So there's like your salary and then there might be dividends or if you own a property, it might be rent. It might be whatever. Yeah. But one of the things that she mentioned in that was like a side hustle. It's not really passive income, which you said before, Mel, just off there. Mm-hmm. It's more active. Yeah. But um, people look to side hustles to make extra income and then sometimes those side hustles become businesses that then flourish. So maybe just to set the scene on what it is that you guys do outside of Rask, maybe Mel will start with you. What do you do? As your side hustle? Sure. So my side hustle is I'm a Pilates instructor. Um, It started off many, many years ago when I was an actor uh, because it was super flexible. Um, Is that a pun? 
Yes. Oh yeah, you do become quite a flexible being a Pilates instructor. That is also true. Um, yeah, it started because it was super flexible and I really enjoyed it. I loved participating. So I was like, well, why not? Um, and now as I've kind of changed careers, I didn't want to let it go. Uh, so I just do it on a Sunday afternoon in the Pilates studio near my home. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, yeah. so, why, so why do you do it? Is it well, income or is it? Like that helps for sure. I mean, I teach two classes, um, so it's not like a huge amount of income, but it's like a nice amount, you know, for your groceries, that sort of thing every week so you don't have to think about that. It also means I get free classes at the studio that I work at, which, you know, Pilates membership is probably like $200, $300 a month, so it's saving money as well. But honestly, I really do love it. I love having those 50 minutes that you can kind of make a difference in someone's day. Mm. That's cool. So you find a bit of meaning in it as well. Totally. Yeah, great. That's nice. How about you, Monique? What do you do? I think you have the most extreme side hustle <laughs> of the team because it takes the most out of you. But what do you do? So I'm a live music photographer and videographer. Mm-hmm. So what that means, bands play, concerts, little gigs, um, pubs, big venues. And I'm there in the, the front row-ish in the pit. Um, yeah, taking all the photos and footage of the bands. That's why you're always coming with the bruises and stuff because you're yeah, in the mosh yeah, pit yeah. and yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, your stage camera. dive, you know, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, great. So you, chances are, people that listen to Ras podcast will know you because they listen to the finance podcast where yeah. you appear a lot. Um, so you do this outside of work hours, like in the evenings. Yeah, it works quite well. So because gigs happen at night, mm-hmm. so it really doesn't clash with anything. So I kind of, so it used to meet be my main gig. Um, and then like COVID. another said another pun. Oh my it, god! Oh my it god! Is. It's just both in our vocabulary. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one's flexible, one's a gig. Yep, yep. got it. Um, yeah. Once COVID happened, um, I kind of needed to hustle and find something new, which is why I discovered Rask. Um, yeah. So I do it because I obviously enjoy it. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not something you'd do if you didn't enjoy it because you do get pretty tired. Um, I kind of avoid burnout. Um, well, at the moment. I try and limit myself to one gig a week, mm-hmm. whereas previously I would have done like four, but then I was only like working retail three or four days a week and sporadic okay. hours. So it was kind of different back then. But um, yeah, now I really try and just limit it and I could give it up, but I love it too much to do that. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that you showed me in the past is, or one thing you said is that you always found it really difficult with pricing. Yeah. So, like, knowing how much your time is worth. Because yeah. even now you get people that email you and say that your your minimum rate, can can you say what your minimum rate is? Yeah, so, like, um, for live music it is. So, just say a band wants me to cover their whole set, minimum, like, two hours it usually is. Um, like, my base, base rate is I ask for 300 and I rarely get that. <laughs> really? It's still yeah. pretty cheap when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, it's the music industry. They've been struggling. I understand. Um, but... It was always the way before COVID as well. So they kind of have that excuse now. <laughs> and I'm like, no, 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 guys, uh, this was a, there was another excuse before COVID. You can't use this on me. Um, but, you know, it's just the music industry. Like, there isn't yeah. much money in it, unfortunately. Like, I'm sure you've heard stuff about the arts yeah, yeah. and the funding and the government and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it's just unfortunately the way it is at the moment. But you – so you have this price, um, but people still try and offer you a lot, lot less and whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you, that's probably, that probably brings up a thing like a bit of invest, uh, imposter syndrome because you think, mm-hmm. um, well, 
am I worth this much or am yeah. I not worth this much? Oh, like just, I think it was two weeks ago or something, I had to quote somebody. It took me three hours because I was going back and forth in my mind to come up with the price because I'm like, oh, do I actually, you know, am I worth that much? If I was them, would I think, would I look at my work and then think, oh, yeah, she's worth that much or like, am I that good? Am I not that good? And I'm like, oh, but I've been doing for this for like 10 years, so I should charge that much. Yeah, complete back and forth. <laughs> yeah. How did you ultimately decide on $300 then? So it used to be 150 when I first started. And like I just said, I've been doing it for almost 10 years. So I feel like I have that experience and I'm trying to be more confident in how I create my worth. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, no, no, I actually need to have some kind of substantial money out of this. Like it's a lot of time out of my life to do it. Yeah. It's not just the two hours shooting. It's I'll come home and it's another minimum two to four hours editing photos and a lot, lot more if it's video. Yeah. Um, you showed me once a, uh, a document that was available on the internet and it was all these creative people submitted their prices yeah. so then everyone else in the industry knew what the price was. Yeah, oh. I do refer to that a lot still. We've um, had some people write into us and tell us about like different books that talk about how to set prices and that sort of stuff. But when you're doing it as a side hustle, you probably don't have time to read a book mm -hmm. just yep. to, to set the price of your, your product. <laughs> but I think like you would know from like your demand, mm -hmm. like people coming in, how many people coming in, what have people paid in the past, and you get a feel for it, I guess. Yeah. How about you, Mel? You probably don't have that problem because I imagine, do you just do it at gyms? Like yes. just the gyms? Yeah, so I... By now, I only teach at a one Pilates studio and um, there is kind of like an industry kind of range that people do pay um, and so I'm very lucky that my studio is very generous. <laughs> um, but in terms of privates, I used to do quite a few privates. Sometimes people ask me for them now and people – People are pretty transparent about their pricing, like you know, on the on web websites and that sort of thing. So it's pretty easy is not the best word, but it's pretty simple to be able to say this is the price and look around the industry. This is what everyone else is charging. However, um, a lot of people who haven't done privates before, they have no concept or any knowledge of you know mm. what the price of a private pilates class is versus what the price of just doing a casual class is you know might only pay 30 dollars to go and participate in a class but when you're doing something one-on-one -on -one, there's a lot more costs involved um and a lot more effort um and personal energy um so yes and no yes it is kind of like a range but i suppose when you are going to new studios when i moved here from perth you kind of want to know what the average is and mm. know your worth. Yeah. I find that a lot of businesses just do this. They kind of go off what everyone else says. Monique, mm -hmm. yours is a bit different because people can go to your Instagram and see all the photos and they know. Yeah. They can kind of see what they get. Yeah, totally. So and I'd like just to add on with like photos and video and stuff, if I was a wedding videographer, I'd be earning so much more. Absolutely. But because it's just live music, yeah. it's totally different in the pricing of things. So have you thought about doing that? I have. I've done a few weddings. <laughs> I'm just not my jam. Not for 300 bucks. So <laughs> yeah, definitely not for $300. Yeah, yeah. it's thousands and <laughs> yeah, thousands. Yeah. And videography as well. Yeah, that's even more. Yeah, like minimum wedding packages would be like 10 to 15 grand. Easy. Oh, my God. I didn't realize it was that yeah. much. Yeah, yeah it's sorry, much cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah but that's what it is and if you want videography and stuff as well yeah, yeah. um okay so why haven't either of you 
Well, Monique, you kind of did it full time, but so maybe it's a different question. I'll start with Mel. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you make it a full time gig? How did you draw the line and say, no, this is a side hustle? Yeah, so essentially it really was my full time gig for quite a few years. Um, I used to be an actor, I worked in the UK, but you don't work 99.999% of the time so I had to do something that I enjoyed something that was flexible um, and you really did have to work for yourself it was almost impossible to you know work for a company and have be able to build something for someone else just because you needed that flexibility to be able to go anywhere at any point in time so I started teaching then and yeah that was my full-time job essentially but not dissimilar to you during COVID you're kind of paid on the basis of you're there teaching a class at that time and with gyms, Pilates studios and whatever shutting down, I was unable to do any of that. You could do some bit of Zoom but not the same um, and everyone was kind of feeling the pinch at that time. Um, so I kind of had to reassess what it is that I wanted to do with my life and I did make a different life decision. I decided to divert away from acting and I went back to uni. Um, but during that time I was thinking – I do love teaching. Um, I love movement. What if I opened a studio? And then I kind of thought about all the logistics of that, the overheads, paying for reformer beds and hiring instructors. And it is such like a cyclical and trends-based um, thing, the fitness industry. And Absolutely. I just was not willing to make that risk. So once I finished my postgraduate and got a job full-time in finance, um, I didn't want to give it up. So that's why I kind of transitioned from full-time to part-time. Mm. And you can still have that side hustle as something that you do. I think it's a really important decision. A lot of people don't know when to like when something is uh, is a side hustle mm-hmm. and when something is full-time. I think when a lot of people transition from side hustle to full-time, they don't love what they do anymore because yeah. now it's like they depend on it. Yeah, absolutely. I, like can I add something there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So like I also like to knit and crochet and so many people have asked me like or told me like, oh, my God, you should make an Etsy store. You should do this. You should do that. Go to markets, which I've done one market before, but I had a lot more time then. <laughs> but um, like I've thought about it. Of course I've thought about it because I could make money of it. Yes, yeah, sweet. But then I know it's going to be another stress in my life and I'm not going to enjoy actually creating these you know, jumpers or whatever I make. Yeah. yeah. So it's just that's also a very valid point. Yeah. You need to also continue to enjoy what you do. Totally. Mm. Um, I'm going to ask you guys for maybe just in closing, like one extra thing that has helped you find customers. So people that listen to this may be Pilates instructors, maybe PT, mm-hmm. maybe something like this, or maybe in the creative uh, field. And maybe for you, Monique, it, it could also be like how could bands find good photographers? How could bands – like – just anything that you can give is kind of like industry wisdom to help people that are listening to this and are in the industries that you're talking about. So, Mel, like, I guess it's a bit of a broad question, but, yeah. like, what advice would you have for someone who is in the fitness industry looking to make more money or even start a side hustle? Yeah, so the easiest thing to do, like I kind of did this when I've moved around, um, is go to studios that interest you. Literally talk to people, ask the instructor who you really like, hey, like what training did you do? I'm really interested in working here. Do you have any advice? Like do you have someone I can reach out to? Follow them on social media. Often studios will like put a call out on social media when they're looking for someone um, and just like make those relationships. I know as I have a lot of friends who own studios 
um, they appreciate someone actually making the effort to attend studios rather than just like cold calling them um, and not having understanding of what their style is. Mm. And then the other thing is Instagram as well, social media. I've got a lot of private classes off of that, plugging my classes um, mm. on social media. Yeah, great. Like it, Instagram. Cool. Um, Monique? Yeah, mine's pretty similar. Like it's all about networking, meeting new people. Um, like when I used to, I still shoot bands for free when I like want to just see them myself. Because you get in for free. Well, not all the time. But <laughs> when you're allowed to bring your camera. So yeah. I'll take a few snaps. And you make the effort to like stay behind. You try and say hello. Sometimes you get the cue that it's not the right time to say hello. But sometimes you try and introduce yourself. Just be known. Um, talk to other photographers. There's heaps of like Facebook groups, like photography community groups. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, of course, like you just have to keep posting um, and tagging like the managers, touring companies, bands, just tag everybody. Um, I even like message DM people um, on Instagram. Um, that's gotten me a few places. It's, it's a lot of hustle mm-hmm. <laughs> for little reward, but it does actually help without it you really couldn't move forward Mm. yeah and um i think you guys know this i'm actually starting my own side hustle Mm. so i'm getting the free wisdom so uh, i do appreciate it and uh it's always interesting like particularly pricing i find it's really interesting Mm -hmm. i think i'm in the same boat as you though like where my primary job is my primary job Mm -hmm. of course Uh, at rask i'm not leaving Um, (laughs) but um but like that actually puts you in a position of power when it comes to your side hustle because you can pick and choose the jobs once you're in the in the game. And I think that's probably the sweetest spot to be in where you can be like, no, I actually don't want to do that. I don't need to do that. I'm not dependent on it, mm-hmm. but I'll just take the best bits of what I want, um, which is a great extra kicker. And that's how you get that passive income. Mm. Cool. Well, ladies, it was a bit of fun, a bit of ad hoc recording at the ASA event. I really Love do that. appreciate you joining me. There'll be links in the show notes to find out more about these two ladies. Thank you for, for joining me once again. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC Education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. If you're a small business owner or an expert like an accountant, lawyer, investor, or entrepreneur, I want to hear from you. I'm not 100% sure what we're going to do with this podcast series, so I'm looking for sponsors as well as potential co-hosts, and of course, I'm eager to invest in businesses run by talented people. If you're looking for a supporter or advisor, a silent partner, or even an investor to support your growth, I can help. Please contact me via the RASC website. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.